What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Clippers Confidential, the post-All-Star break episode. Uh, well, post-All-Star in a couple games after that. Uh, again, I'm your host, Tomer Zarli. Uh, Clippers beat right at the clutch points. Uh, coming to you from L.A. while the Clippers are on the road. I got I got my man, Justin. Justin Russo, a.k.a. Flybynight on Twitter. I uh, don't know why he chose that username, but uh, it's very catchy. Uh, Justin, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing well, and I chose it because I'm the goat. I mean, uh, the goat needs no no other explanation than that. Um, no, I mean, if you're the goat, you can say whatever you want. I'm the goat. That's my explanation. <laughs> Starting this part off with a bang. I do what I want. <laughs> um, I mean, listen. I'm listening. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't have any other thoughts. I'm the goat. I don't have to have a thought after that. My man would listen, listen and they just the wouldn't mute. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's all, I, that's all you got to do. When you're the GOAT, these are the things you could do. Uh, well, um, <laughs> listen. Done talking. Uh, ooh, let's just, we have an alarm going on here. Um, the Clippers just uh, coming off of their – well, before we get to the Clippers, I want to talk to you about, about All-Star Weekend. Um the All Star Game featured one of the one, one of the craziest you know performances we've seen. Granted, a lot of more open shots by Steph, but uh, Steph put up fifty points, one All Star MVP. Um, do you think that, that was one of the greatest All Star performances ever? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch it. I, I, I heard about it. I saw the highlights. Um, it's based on the highlights. And based on what I saw in terms of stats and, sh- and stuff like that, uh, it's probably the greatest all-star performance of all time just because, you know, it wasn't like he just got uncontested dunks. Like, you know, we see that all the time in all-star weekend is, you know, guys get uncontested dunk after uncontested dunk. This man was shooting threes from like 35 feet and just drilling them. So, yeah, it's probably the greatest all-star performance of all time. I mean, the the one for me was where he, he turned around from half, shot from the logo, Turned around and looked at Trey Young as Trey Young was looking at the ball in the air. Uh, that was that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Steph just ran back with so much confidence, and Giannis gave him that look like, "Yo, this man is not human." Right after that was uh, that that one was so fun for me. Just just as a basketball fan, that was insane. Um, so we'll talk about Steph. Uh, let's talk about the night before. Uh, Luke Kennard participated in the three-point contest. Uh, didn't win it. He lost to Carl Anthony Towns, who got a – he finished with a final round record, 29 points. I believe Luke finished with 26 after having 28 in the first round. Uh, cumulatively, uh, he had the most uh, points in, in the entire three-point contest. But Carl Towns, Carl Anthony Towns edged him in the final round there. Um, it's funny because Luke Kennard – Came into the All Star break, uh, had what I think eight threes against the Rockets that Thursday night game. Um, went to the All three point contest, played, participated well, uh, uh, performed well there, and then comes out and lights up the Lakers as well. Uh, what do you make of Luke's All Star performance or All Star weekend performance? Uh, I feel he got robbed. No, I'm just I'm being I'm kidding, obviously. But like one of one of my big like gripes, I guess, with the three point contest and has been for a while, is I don't understand why the scores are not combined for, across the rounds. Because you can you can eke in to the final round and then just have one very good round and win, rather than have two good rounds or anything like that. Like it, 
it just feels like you don't it, like the first round is not valued as much in order to get like yes you get through because of a, a solid first round score but that's not the end all be all like i feel like it should be combined with that said carl anthony towns absolutely went ballistic in the final round and it's a very deserving winner he's an incredible shooter one of the best big man shooters we've ever seen probably top three or at least top three alongside dirk and maybe i don't know Jokic or something like that so he's just he's just incredible um, Luke, to me, just enjoyed the entire experience. He was back home, smiling, laughing as he went through his shots, which is funny because Ty mentioned it, I believe, uh, before the, the Laker, the Laker game, game yeah. on, yeah, the Laker game on Friday. He, he talked about how Luke was just constantly just having a great time out there, smiling as he was shooting. Look, man, if you don't enjoy what you do, then why are you doing it? You know what I mean? I mean, hundred percent. Uh, I will say though, to, to to be to be laughing or smiling the way he did uh, was a little surprising, but definitely you know good to see. Um, fun to see that he actually enjoyed being out there in front of his uh, you know not not too far from his hometown, and uh, said he had a lot of friends and family in town for it. Uh, and even even if they weren't at the actual event, they were just in town to hang out with them and be around the All Star facility. So it was definitely a fun weekend. Uh, Luke, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with your take on, on the whole scoring thing because i know you i think you've mentioned a few times that you think it should be just a cumulative score uh, i do think the first round isn't valued as much but i don't know if the solution is just you know making you know adding a point total up uh i will say that um yeah luke Kennard definitely his smiling the entire time had me like wow this guy is just he's actually just free and having a good time he's not He's not, you know, super tight or anything. He's having a really good time there. And I think that's, that's, if you're a Clipper fan, that's what you want to see. If you're a fan of Luke Kennard, that's what you want to see. I think this guy's having fun. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, um, well, I don't want to take shots on anyone, but that, that, that slam dunk contest. Did you watch any of it? I can honestly tell you I watched absolutely none of it. Yeah, and I feel amazing much. about it. Yeah, you did not miss uh, much of anything. That was a that was a very very rough uh, rough game, rough rough contest. I would say. Um, my God, <laughs> who won? It was Obi Toppin who won that contest. But it was just I think the, the I think Statney is posted the percentage that the guys shot. I think the the dunkers shot a combined thirty percent on their dunks. I'm I'm sorry. Which is yeah, they shot about thirty percent of their dunks. Like Jalen Green in his in his second round dunk went one of nine. It was just like it was absurdly bad. It was really really bad. So definitely gonna need like you know not taking anything. Shot, so you're basically telling me they were Russell Westbrook from three. <laughs> yes, they were Russell Westbrook from three. Is he shooting thirty oh, percent? That's actually higher than I thought it would be. Mm, yeah, you should like shooting like thirty percent or something like that. Twenty nine five. It's pretty good. Right in line with his career average. <laughs> yeah, the dunkers were, were were just 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 awful. It was just awful dunk contest. Um, at some, I think I, I think this gave Obi Top in the contest the win just because everybody needed to be free of whatever we were watching. Just go on with your nights, do something else to make up for the awful event. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much how that went. Uh, moving on to the Clippers, though, uh, they they came up uh, first game of the All Star break. They had a couple of practices. 
Um, I had one of my favorite lines post game from Ty Lue, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, they defeated the Lakers, uh, I believe it was 105 to 102 in LA. Well, obviously in LA, but it was a Laker home game. Um, Clippers went up by as much as 16 points, or as many as 16 points in that game. 49 to 33, I believe, was their biggest lead of the game. Uh, they had a chance to make it 19 in that second quarter. Justin and I were sitting next to each other uh, during the game. We saw Luke Kennard pull up for three wide open, try to make it 19, didn't go through. Uh, and then LeBron hit a three on the other end, like I think maybe like 20 seconds later. And it was back down to 13. We were like, ah, oh, this might be where this the, the Lakers kind of come back here. Uh, it wasn't exactly there, but the Lakers did come back. They came back from down 16 to take a – was it an eight-point lead, I want to say? I think their biggest I, lead was eight or six. No, six. It was six. So they took a six-point lead. Um uh, they had all the momentum kind of heading into that fourth quarter. Uh, Clippers were playing a little bit sloppy. Couldn't really um, get some get, get shots to go. Weren't able to string together any consecutive stops to kind of ignite their offense. So it was just an ugly, ugly quarter. Uh, Justin does a fantastic job keeping up uh, stat lines and substitutions. Uh, sorry, not stat lines. Um, substitutions and, and rotations during the game. And the, the Clippers, I mean, Justin, you want to tell us about the, the, the lineups they use and how they had no positive uh, – no positive lineup, I believe it was. Yeah, so I'm pulling up right now, but off of memory, off of memory, I can tell you that there was roughly, I want to say, close to 15 minutes of game time in which they did not have a positive lineup. So from the 306 point, so from, this is a new lineup coming in, like a substitution was made, and at the 306 mark of the second quarter, this new lineup starts playing together. It's Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Robert Covington, Isaiah Hartenstein. They go minus two. When they stepped on the floor, the Clippers were up 49-33. Uh, when the lineup was done, which was uh, at the 50.2 second mark of the second quarter, it was 56-42 Clippers. So they lost, they lost that stretch by two points. But from starting at the 306 mark of the second quarter until the end of the third quarter, the literal end of the third quarter, every single Clippers lineup was either minus one or or just even. So you had a lineup go minus two, minus four, minus five. You had, an, you had a lineup for 33 seconds that did nothing. It was, it was plus zero. And then you had a lineup for three minutes that was minus one. And then a lineup for 308 to end the third quarter that was minus 10. So in that time, you're looking, I'm trying to do quick math. That's 11, uh, 12, uh, that's 22. Over that span of time, 15 minutes of game time, the Clippers were minus 22, and the Lakers took a 78-22 lead going to the fourth quarter. But in the fourth quarter, things flipped. The Clippers had a plus 72. one. 78-72, just correct me there, sorry. What did I say? 78-22. <laughs> I, oh my God, yeah. No, no, it was 78-72. <laughs> Whoops. Um, yeah, the lineup went minus 10. It didn't go minus 100, I guess. So, you know, there's that. Um, so they're down six going to the fourth. And then the Clippers played six lineups in the fourth quarter. Those lineups, in order, went plus one, plus two, plus four, zero, plus two, zero. So the Clippers went from down six. They win by three. So obviously, what does that tell you? Well, they went plus nine in the fourth quarter. So, you know, like like I do keep running tabs of this because uh, it's a mental thing for me where I'm able to kind of call back to see what ended up happening 
because I'm weird like that and I like to, you know, kind of like like when I write and when I mentally go through the game again, I can see a number or I can see a column and I kind of replay like bits and pieces of that time in my head. It's fantastic stuff just to sit next to him and see that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Clippers really struggled in that third quarter. They came out in that fourth quarter. A bunch of lineups came out. Robert Covington was huge. Um, the Lakers uh, just kind of looked out of out of sorts for, for, for a, a bit of it. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook did get to the basket for a layup, and, and he kind of just blew it, I would say. Um, a bunch of other – I mean, LeBron took three shots in the final five minutes, I believe. Like two of them were threes. One of them was at the buzzer. Another one was a deep one pull, pulling up from uh, uh, about 28 feet, I want to say, 27 feet. Uh, the other one was was, was the, the the third shot he took, which was a, a go ahead potential layup, uh, was blocked by Marcus Morris, but the NBA ruled that should have been a foul. Uh, the biggest thing was the was the out of bounds turnover uh, on between Covington and LeBron, which which we talked about at length. We don't have to go super in depth into it, but um, ultimately the officials made the right call. The last minute report said that they made the right call, uh, but it did take about eight minutes of real time to. Uh, determined that call. It was it was the play where LeBron James got an offensive rebound off Westbrook's miss, um, landed out of bounds, threw it threw it back in bounds at Robert Covington, who dribbled the ball out of bounds uh, on the white line, and uh, you know that whole review went through. Um, the initial call on the floor was Laker ball because Covington dribbled out of bounds. Um, there was nothing really on LeBron being out of bounds, which was, I was curious about. But once they missed that, I figured they couldn't go back and. Um, and make that call, but they, they ruled that it was all part of the same sequence. If you look at the timestamps I posted on Twitter, um, LeBron LeBron is out of bounds with about 26.3 seconds left, and Covington touches the ball, with and the ball hits out of bounds at about 25.4, 25.3. So they're about a second apart. So ultimately, the refs got the right call there. Um, Justin, I know you were going through it during that uh, stoppage, though. I could literally feel my body aging. <laughs> I like my like my skin started to wilt and like I got all these wrinkles and I basically Benjamin Button back to when I was a baby and I was I was going through it was ridiculous like it was look man they got the call right and at the end of the day that's all that really matters but for the love of God sometimes just speed it up please like we all saw it it's okay yeah that was that was the biggest thing you, that, you know uh, what it felt like. So, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Have you ever seen, um, it's called JFK. It's with um, Kevin Costner. Have you seen that movie? It's from like I the, no. okay, I figure not it's from like the late 80s, maybe early 90s. Um, and in there, they show the Zapruder film. Do you know what the Zapruder film is? I don't know that either. Do, okay, have you ever seen the grainy footage of like the JFK assassination? Yes. That's the Zapruder film. It's called that because the guy who filmed it, his last name was Zapruder. It's the only film of the assassination, really, uh, from that angle. So I really felt like I was watching the Zapruder film on every replay. I just I, I could just hear it in my head, back and to the left, back and to the left. And it was like I, my brain was melting because it didn't matter how many times I looked at it. We knew what the call should be. We knew what the call was hoping to be because, A, not only would it benefit the Clippers, and that's cool, but, like, you're hoping they get it right. 
Um, it was just like it just felt like overkill. It did like it just should have been quicker. But they got it right. So what am I going to gripe about here? Except for everything. <laughs> except for everything. Um, yeah, I guess ultimately the biggest thing is they got the call right. Um, you know, eight second violation later, review later. Um, you know, Clippers come out victorious in that game. Um, they do take a 3-0 series lead, uh, a season series lead there, with one more game coming up on Thursday, March, I believe, the 3rd. Um, so, a uh, big win. There's, there's no way to, to, to kind of, you know, there's no other way to say it. I mean, the last one they got against them in early February was big, and then this one was, was even bigger because not only did they get the season series, they went up, I believe at the time it was two, two and a half or three games ahead of them. Uh, so Clippers are in great position as far as the Lakers are concerned, come potentially catching up to them, uh, both, you know, tiebreaker wise and season series wise. Uh, I, I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing to look after a big emotional win after the Lakers is kind of like a comeback. Well, not a comeback, a, a letdown game. You, you kind of, you know, get, get too hyped for one game and, uh, have a potential letdown in the next. And that next game uh, was against the Houston Rockets on Sunday night. Uh, part of a, a two-game set in Houston on t- Sunday and Tuesday. Um, probably, you know, best just to reduce travel and not having to go all over the place and travel to Houston twice separately. Um, that Houston game was a 99-98 final. Clippers victorious once again. I believe that's a three-game winning streak for them. Um, back-to-back wins out of the All-Star break. Uh, yeah, they've won three in a row, and they've won four, uh, five of the last six, which is actually very impressive. They went from a 27-30 and 30 record uh, to 32-31, and 31, finally over 500 for the first time since January 1st when they beat the Brooklyn Nets in Barclays Center. Um, Ivica Zubac had a big game in this one, uh, finished with, 20, with 14 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, and six blocks. The 15 rebounds were a season high. The six blocks were a career high. He did it on five of five shooting. Um, I think I think Justin had a funny stat about Zoo having more rebounds and blocks than Joel Embiid on Sunday. Uh, that's right. Is, we know who the real king and the MVP leader is. Absolutely, and that's worth mentioning because uh, you absolutely love, uh, love uh, what's his name, Joel Embiid, so. Uh, definitely We're not worth talking mentioning. about it. We're not. <laughs> I, I, I think, for the record, I think Joel Embiid is a is a marvelous player, absolutely incredible. Deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Would he be my personal MVP for the season? No, I'd still go with Nikola Jokic. However, that, that that doesn't stop me from thinking he's a marvelous player. I just don't like watching him play basketball anymore, though. Well, the Sixers are going to be borderline unwatchable now. So, I, there's um, nothing fun about that team now. <laughs> Anyways, though, to, to go back to the Clipper game, uh, yeah, they beat the Rockets on uh, 99-98. Reggie Jackson had 26 points, nine rebounds, and six assists in that game. Um, did have five turnovers, but uh, you know when the Clippers needed him most in the fourth quarter, he kind of helped settle them down. Had some big shots for them. Uh, yeah, the, the most surprising thing to me was um, Eric Gordon, two of nine. Jalen Green, four of eighteen. Dennis Schroeder, four of fifteen. Like. The Clippers made these guards, these Rockets guards work, and they struggled to shoot the ball. Yeah, at the end of the day, like part of the reason that the Rockets are bad, like I don't want to just sit here and say they're young, so that's why they're bad. It's part of the reason, not all the reason. Um, their players 
take shots that the defense wants them to take. I know that sounds very simplistic, but a lot of the time you want guys to go off the dribble against you because it's a lot easier than having to defend the ball in motion because the ball moves faster than the man. For Houston, a lot of his dribble pull-ups or things of that nature, and that's fine if you're making them. And Houston, to their credit, made their threes on Sunday night. They made 17 of them. They shot well on threes. But when they put the ball on the floor to get to the rim, they had Now, a large part of the reason was because Evita Zubats had a career-high six blocks. Another large part of the reason is just because their players are not great finishers around the rim, and that's a problem. So, to me personally, what the Clippers did well in this game is they didn't make Houston have easy looks. A lot of the looks that Houston got were pretty contested and tough looks. So while we can sit here and say the Clippers didn't play well, they turned the ball over like 18 times, they didn't shoot well from three, they missed quite a few free throws, you know, yada, 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 yada. At the end of the day, I thought their defense was still really good and it carried them throughout the night. Yeah, and, and again, that's this, this team, this team, I don't think has had a single, well, that's a lie, they have, but the, most of their wins are not going to be pretty. Uh, they're going to be grinded out type of wins where um, things are probably not going to be going their way. Uh, offensively, they won't be, you know, super pretty. Defensively, they'll be trying to, you know, grind it out and, and, and hope to get some kind of stop to lead them in transition. Um, but for the most part, this team has just um, really been in grind in that mode all year, I would say. Um, and it's kind of been fun to see them be able to continue that, I would say, as the season has gone on. I mean, like it's one thing to have this kind of game once or twice, but they've been able to have these kind of games consistently. It's kind of like, they're almost like the grit and grind Grizzlies. I, I kind of hesitate to say, but that's kind of the, the vibe I get from them where they, they're so deep. They root for one another. They, 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 they play hard. They just play hard. And that's something that you don't see um, or haven't seen at times uh, from, from some teams around the league. I'm not trying to say anything, anyone specific. I'm just saying like, that's not something you see all the time. Yeah. Um, so, like, here's the thing. We've talked all year about the Clippers' injuries. Like, oh, they're without Kawhi. They're without PG. They're without Norman Powell. Here's the th- But like, I almost said here's the thing twice in, like, a five-second span. But my point is this. Even with all those guys out, their defense has still been a top a top ten defense. I believe it's still top seven. Might even be top six after the last couple games. I, but that's beside the point. They still have a top 10 defense despite those injuries because of two very simple factors. Number one, they have a lot of high IQ guys on the team who understand what it takes on that end of the floor and are very unselfish when it comes to that end of the floor. Number two, all their guys play hard. That that cures so many things. If you just play hard, you have a chance every single night in this league, no matter who's on the floor with you, no matter who's on the floor against you, and no matter what night it is in an 82-game season. It's the end of February. You're playing against a bad Houston Rockets team, but they played hard. While they turned the ball over a lot, while they didn't shoot well, it wasn't for lack of effort. They just played hard, 
especially on the defensive end. It got them the win. It helped get them the Lakers win. And it's gotten them a lot of wins this season by just playing harder than the other team. And it's somewhat reminiscent to the team, not the team that won 48 games and made the playoffs as the eighth seed, but that 42-40 and 40 Clippers team that didn't make the playoffs. I, I can't remember what year. Was that 17-18? 17, 17 17-18, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you go back to that year, they didn't make the playoffs, but every single night they competed and they played hard and they gave themselves chances in every game. And ultimately, that's all that matters is that you play hard and compete. A lot of teams in this league don't do that. Not every night. And if you just bring it every night, you're going to have a chance in every game. Yeah, 100%. That's 100% it. Uh, this team just, just plays hard. And I, I would say that there have been games where they have been out-talented, but not outworked. And I think that's the biggest thing you've, you've seen from this team. I think Ty has mentioned it as well. I think someone, I forgot who it was, but someone mentioned something about, about a lack of effort. And he kind of took offense to that. He's like, one thing you'll never see from us is, is a lack of effort. Uh, you'll always see us trying to work hard. We might not have like the talent, but we we will compete and play hard each and every time. Uh, and again, that's that's all you can ask for. That that that'll that'll hold you. Um, that that'll get you far. I mean, I, I forget who who has that quote, but um, I think I told you this one. Is the, the the hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard? Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Before. That that's pretty much uh, the Clippers. Like they, they they don't have the most talent. They you know they have good players, but they don't have a superstar uh, for much of the season, and they've somehow been able to beat teams with stars and and remain competitive with teams with stars when. Um, you know, you can make a case they probably shouldn't have been in a lot of the games that they've they've been in a lot of games they've won. So, um, kudos to Ty and the coaching staff for kind of you know getting the team ready. Kudos to the players for always staying ready because um, they've been they've been they've been really fun to watch. Hundred um, percent. I did want to look ahead a bit. Uh, the Clippers now thirty two and thirty one as of Monday. Uh, when this pod goes up, they will be three and a half games up on the Los Angeles Lakers. They'll be six games up on both the Pelicans and the Blazers. Uh, who are, The Pelicans are basically in, in, in the 10th spot right now, but they're tied with the Portland Trailblazers for it. Uh, the Clippers have the tiebreaker over the Lakers. They don't have it over the Pelicans, and they do have it over the Blazers. The Clippers are also just one game back of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and they do have a tiebreaker against them. So uh, potential for the Clippers to go up to seven. Um, Dallas and Denver right now are tied at 36 and 25, and they're, they're, they're four, five games up on the Clippers. So not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you can rule anything out, but I think it's safe to say it's probably not going to happen. Um, but the Clippers, you know, right now seven is in play. Eight is definitely in play. Uh, the nine seed, I, I wouldn't say it, – it, I wouldn't rule it out, uh, but I, you know, no, I, I think they're in a good it's position. Done. It's done. It's done. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, like so. Here's the thing. Um, God, I should just call. I, that should just be my motto. I should have on a ringtone. <laughs> um, the only way back for the Lakers, and it's really only the Lakers who can catch them at the eight seed. Um, the only way back is the Lakers have to win on Thursday. And the Lakers can't afford to lose Tuesday to Dallas either. So, or maybe they can, I don't know. But, like, they have to win Thursday. And then they have to basically leapfrog the Clippers in the standings, which I don't think they can do because their schedule's not easy. It's one of the toughest schedules remaining in the league. 
Um, so like where 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 are the Lakers and and only the Lakers, mind you, where are the Lakers going to make up the to- the, the the games? Because and this is a very critical part uh, point to look at. The Lakers have three more games remaining than the Clippers do. The Clippers are tied for the fewest remaining games in the league with the Boston Celtics. They both only have 19. The Lakers are the Lakers have 22 remaining games. In that 22 game stretch that they have to end up playing, they play Dallas on Tuesday, they play the Clippers Thursday, they play Golden State Saturday. They then play San Antonio Monday, and San Antonio is not easy to play when you're a team that's disinterested and even trying. So if you come into San Antonio, which is where that game will be, and you don't even try, it could get ugly. They still have two games left with Phoenix. They still have two games left with Golden State. They still have two games left with New Orleans, who just absolutely kicked the crap out of them by 30 points. They still have to play Philadelphia, and they still have to play Cleveland. They play Toronto twice, and they play Minnesota. These are not easy games, not to mention Denver twice, and, and I believe a game game against Utah. Uh, and they played Dallas twice as well. I know I just went through like their whole schedule and just all this stuff. But my point is, they play teams that give them problems. A lot of these teams play hard. Dallas plays hard. The Clippers play hard. Golden State plays hard. We know Phoenix plays hard. So does Toronto. Like these teams are going to give them problems. Dallas has also There's found no- something with their small ball lineup. I just want to say that they've been playing really well with their small ball lineups of late. Absolutely, you're 100 percent spot on. I don't think people have given enough credit to Dallas. By the way, people, people kind of glossed over them, but Dallas is 36 and 25, and they're fifth in the West. Granted, they're fifth in the West by a tiebreaker over Denver, but that's still a big deal. Um, either way, my point is, I don't think the Lakers can catch them. They have to play three more games than the Clippers, and they have to chase two losses. So, like, the Clippers need to lose at least three times, actually, not just two, but three times more than the Lakers do. And considering the fewer the fewer remaining games of the Clippers, that's a tough task for the Lakers to catch. I don't think eighth seed. I think the eighth seed is basically the the bar for the Clippers. Like that is, I believe, the Bonnerbrung. I think that's kind of where they're settled in at worst at this point. So entering Monday, um, the Clippers have the eighth toughest remaining schedule, uh, and the Lakers have the second toughest remaining schedule. Lakers have two games apiece against both the Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors, uh, two games against the Denver Nuggets, uh, one against the Jazz. So there are a lot of Western Conference games still to be played there as far as the Lakers go. So, um, I mean, technically it's not out of the equation for the Lakers to leapfrog the Clippers. But when you look at the schedule, when you look at the tiebreaker and all that, it's going to be very, very hard. I mean, that's pretty much safe to say at this point. Um, and and just, just to point out something here, um, the Lakers have a lot of road games left. They've only played 27 road games. They've played 33 at home. So they only have eight, ho- like eight true home games remaining. Yeah, not not going to be easy. Uh, I mean, they have Dallas coming up at home, Golden State coming up at home. One of those road games is Clippers, but um, you know they have a three game road trip, a four game road trip coming up. So they definitely have some games coming up that they uh, they're going to have to win. Um, they're cooked. Uh, like to to be to be respectful, they're just cooked. And the fact that all these games are going to be shown on national television is not going to be any easier to digest for them. It's going to be. Oh yeah, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games, not counting three NBA TV games. So it might get really rough for them. 
Um, They're going to get some of those games flexed because I just don't see a reason for ESPN to show them. I mean, it's LeBron. People might actually live for the Lakers' downfall, but uh, like, like a little Schadenfreude or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I did want to talk about the, the next week for the Clippers. Uh, they do have, uh, like I mentioned earlier, another game against the Houston Rockets on Tuesday. Uh, that's in Houston. They come back for a two-game uh, home stand uh, Thursday night against the Lakers. Sunday night against the New York Knicks. So they have two days off in between those games. Uh, they then go to Golden State on Tuesday, the following Tuesday, a week from uh, you know tomorrow by the time this podcast comes out. Um, at Golden State, so they have at Houston versus versus Lakers versus Knicks at Golden State. Um, I mean, there's a very good chance they go three and one in that stretch. I would say, and there's a potential they go four and zero because Golden State has been. Uh, I mean, I could say struggling, but that would be putting it very mildly. Uh, they have just seemed they seem to just have lost their way without Draymond Green in the lineup. Um, they just blew a 19-point fourth quarter lead to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they allowed them to get a 26-1 run in, in that fourth quarter and lost that game. Uh, Golden State, like I said, is, is five and five in their last five games. Um, in the last ten games, excuse me, they're two uh, and they, seven. I'm, I'm they're they're two and five in their last seven. Two 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 and five in the last seven. That's that's awful. That's losses to New York, Utah, uh, to win against the Lakers, losses to the Nuggets, Clippers, and Mavs, winning against Portland, who has been you know pretty bad. So uh, and shorthanded. So um, definitely, I, I don't think they go four and zero. Oh. I don't. I, I really don't think the Lakers can afford to lose that that game. Uh, they probably might just because of the matchups and because they might get out coached. But um, yeah, it, it's possible the Clippers go two four and zero. What, what do you think happens on this upcoming four game, four game kind of stretch? I'll say three and one um, because I, while I do think they could beat Golden State, even if they beat Golden State, they might drop one of these other three just based on the odds. Um, because mm-hmm. they're very likely to run into a game where they don't play well and the other team, other team plays very well and is like hot. Like that's always, you know, a, a likelihood for this team because they right. don't have the star power to kind of survive those nights, you know? So uh, I'll say three and one, um, beating Houston again is odd, oddly might actually be, um, the their second game. toughest game in the stretch mm-hmm. because to beat a team three times, in what amounts to basically 10 days is not easy. Yeah, by any means, by any means. So um, definitely going to be something to to watch. I, I think and, I think 3-1. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't want to gloss over the Laker game either. Like, I, like, I know this is going to sound crazy. I do think the Lakers are going to win that game. And the reason I'm going to say that is because beating the team four times in a season is very hard. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lakers beat them just as like to regain some modicum of uh, like, you know, I don't know, uh, positivity about their season, which is slowly dwindling the toilet as everyone watches and just observes how it's going. But at the end of the day, like even if they lose the Laker game, I do think they're going to do well in the other games. I don't know. Maybe the Knicks gave them problems. They gave them problems earlier. So who the hell knows? Julius Randle finally discovers his jumper again against his team. Again, I will randomly, say, uh, on, a, on a random night in March. I will say Justin did think that the Lakers were going to win on Tuesday, oh, on Friday, because uh, they needed to, I believe is what you said. They, they couldn't afford to lose that oh, game they came, well. They sure as hell came close, though. 
<laughs> uh, well, I mean, all, all every game has been close, though. Every every one of those games has been close. So, um, yeah, the Clippers Clippers <laughs> yeah. pull that off. I think they. I think three and one sounds like uh, three and one. I, I would say four and zero is kind of bold. So I would say three and one um, is my guess as, as to what the Clippers go over the next four games. Um, I don't know what Draymond's status is, but the Warriors are are, are in a tough place right now. Um, with guys being out, guys being shorthanded. Um, so I would say three and one. I think, I think the game they lose, I think the game they lose is that Golden State game. I think they'll be, they'll be able to beat Houston again, the Lakers and the Knicks. But, uh, I think that Golden State game will be tough for them. But three and one is my guess. So, all right. I'm going to say they go seven and oh in the next seven. My Let's ride. Spicy. Spicy. Let's ride. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, I have a question for you. Okay. Go ahead. Thursday night, Clippers-Lakers, Clippers home game, TNT. Do we get another Kawhi update from Chris Haynes, yes or no? And and hold on, before you answer, before you answer, as a reminder, they also play the following Tuesday. So they, they March 3rd at home against the Lakers on TNT, March 8th on the road at Golden State. Those are both TNT games. So I, instead of just saying just a Lakers game, do you feel in either of those games we're going to get a positive Chris Haynes report on Kawhi? Um, a positive report or just a report in general? I'll, I'll, I'll say report in general first. I mean, I only know how to say yes in like three languages, but I would say the, say yes in all the languages if I knew it. Can you do that now? No. Okay. Um, do you think we get a positive Kawhi Leonard update? No. Do you think we get a positive Paul George update? No, uh, maybe, maybe that's a me. That's fifty fifty for me. The reason I bring that up is because by March eighth, it'll have been another ten days from when his MRI dropped on the twenty fifth. Yeah, that doesn't say much. It doesn't, but maybe there's going to be you know some some update or something. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't. To be fair. I don't think there's going to be anything. I just, I just think that they're both out and that's it. I, I yeah. just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, March 8th rolls around and it's, you know, 7.20 PM and it's the first quarter, uh, first quarter timeout. And we hear an update that, you know, oh, PG uh, is slated to return at the end of March or something. I don't know. I mean, it's probably it, it, PG comes back. I just, I, I don't think. I don't know. I'm 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 not I'm not super optimistic about Kawhi. I don't know. I just we kind of have to wait and see see what happens. I just I don't know. I think there's the the way Ty has talked, the way some of the guys have talked to practice or post game in the last couple of weeks is just like I think they kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as him not coming back this year. So, uh, but we'll which see. by the way, which makes them going five and one over their last six games all the more impressive. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. So. The fact that they uh, think that they're not coming back and they're they're still busting their ass this whip this much, it's incredible. We'll see if they can continue it. Um, Justin, you got anything to say to the people? You got anything to uh, say to the people? Not really. Just stay that. safe, man. What'd you say? No, I, I, I felt like I mumbled through that, so I apologize. No, you're good, man. Um, just stay safe, guys. You know, um, as always, you never know what someone's going through, so just... Always treat people with kindness unless they're your sworn enemy, and then you don't have to. I feel like you've said this a lot. I agree with you on that. That's, that's a nice one. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's all we got for this week's episode, fellas. 
uh, well, fellas, everyone, uh, appreciate you guys joining and listening. Uh, as usual, you can find uh, you know all, all my work on Clutch Points on at Tomerazarly, T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Justin's work can be found on Patreon and at Fly By Night. That's F-L-Y-B-Y-K-N-I-T-E. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will see you guys um, next next week. Peace.